Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It's Friday, September 8th, 2023 from Peach Fish Productions. It's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. And in sports, Mike Pence was on Fox and Friends this morning. You're trailing the president, uh, the former president, by about 40 points. How do you make up that gap? Well, you know, I, look, the, the Lions beat the Chiefs, right? I mean, the American people love competition. I think Labor Day hits uh, and the debate really begins. Well, the Chiefs were three and a half point favorites. Trump has a 40 point lead over Pence in the polls, and the Chiefs were without their second-best offensive player, Travis Kelsey. The Trump campaign is without, at worst, their, I don't know, 11th most offensive player, Rudy Giuliani, or maybe that's Sidney Powell. Eh, Peter Navarro, he was convicted by a D.C. jury yesterday. But no way is he the second most instrumental to the offense that each entity relies on. That clip, by the way, we found on Mediaite. Mediaite did get at one aspect of the Pence overall appeal. He has none, or overall, almost none. Not to conservatives, anyway. A much-hyped speech in New Hampshire, where he talked about the dangers of populism versus conservatism, came and went on Wednesday. It's not that the content was deficient. So today, I ask my fellow Republicans this. In the days to come, will we be the party of conservatism? Or will we follow the siren song of populism unmoored to conservative principles? The future of this movement and this party belongs to one or the other, not both. Perhaps they'll succumb to the siren song of that phone ringing in the background, but the reason why this message came and went is that the messenger is a snore and the message doesn't have any hallmarks of charismatic communication, as does pretty much all Mike Pence content. Did you hear how after every pause, you knew exactly what he was going to say? Because it was a cliche, but also because he acted as if it weren't. I actually do not believe Mike Pence talks like that. If you woke him up from a deep sleep, I don't think he would talk about the God-given rights of we as Americans. I do not believe he squints and nods as part of his natural rhythm. I do not think his actual vocal timbre is what you hear in his every utterance. I don't. Whenever you hear Mike Pence talk, you always know the next thing he's going to say because you've heard it a billion times from individuals to whom the adjective rock-ribbed has been affixed. Here was Pence on CNN yesterday. Or whether we're going to follow what I call the siren song of populism, unmoored to conservative principles. Where'd I hear that before? Ah, you thought I was going to say that St. Anselm, New Hampshire speech, but no, it was actually on The Muppet Show. 
Something must be done here. Someone must work for integrity and decency. Someone, someone must do this, and I shall continue to speak out, knowing someday I will get my just desserts. Sam the Eagle. Here's why Mike Pence is not going to have his moment, because Republicans want an articulation of radicalism much more than whatever the version of that is that he can deliver to them. That's what scans as charismatic these days in the Republican Party, a lot of the left too. I'll read to you an entry from The Leadership Quarterly. This was a February 28th essay called Presidential Charismatic Leadership Exploring the Rhetoric of Social Change. Still true today. Charismatic leaders affect social change by employing specific rhetorical strategies targeted at changing followers' personal and social values. In the first phase, charismatic leaders employ frame-breaking strategies by attempting to reduce the value people place on the current social convention. That's basically the opposite of what Mike Pence is trying to do. He's calling for a return of the traditional ways. Specifically, these leaders derogate social convention by either A, negating people's desire to maintain the status quo, i.e. the opposite of Pence, or B, negating their fear of change or innovation, also the opposite of Pence. The essay goes on to say, in the second phase, charismatic leaders encourage people's desire for non-convention, whereas Mike Pence is the most conventional. And then the essay says that if they're not encouraging people's desires for non-convention, they're encouraging people to fear not changing the old convention. If we don't change it, things are going to go to hell. But all he's saying is we need to embrace conservatism, i.e. convention. There is nothing about that that scans as charismatic. And that is why Mike Pence might not even get a speaking slot at the actual Republican convention. Pence's three decades of conservatism, by the way, is in substance actually a fairly radical agenda. He is not Jack Kemp or Bob Dole with their guardianship of steadiness, with their suspicion of radical change. He has endorsed, he's worked to bring about fairly radical change, but he did so via rhetorical techniques that just don't strike his current audience as charismatic or useful or fitting with their mood. Pence is going nowhere, as the populism of the moment both overwhelms his prospect and also, I think, dooms the country to clamoring for nothing but more clamor. On the show today, I'm going to make some jokes, I'm going to make some rap jokes, and I'm going to make some dad jokes. But first, Office Race is the new Comedy Central film starring Beck Bennett of SNL, Joel McHale, and lots of cameos. You'll get Kelsey Grammer in there. And we are joined by the director, Jared Lapidus, who also co-wrote the film, along with James Kilmoon, co-writer of the film. He's also a writer for Impractical Jokers. How can that not come up? The movie is about a guy who is tricked by his boss to run a charity marathon. And you can watch it on Comedy Central, all the platforms of Comedy Central. Office Race, up next. Office Race is a new comedy, a feature-length comedy starring Beck Bennett and Joel McHale as two office workers and rivals who decide to hash it out over 26.2 miles of a Georgia marathon. It is directed by Jared Lapidus, who co-wrote the movie with James Kilmoon. Jared and James join me now. Hello, guys. Hey, Mike. Hey, thanks for having us. What's your running backgrounds, each of your running backgrounds? Jared, you go first. 
Oh, boy. Uh, well, I'm going to very quickly hand this off to James. Uh, I have little to no running experience. Uh, not, not my favorite activity, but very briefly, James and I were randomly assigned freshman year roommates uh, at NYU years and years ago, uh, along with another of our uh, buddies, John, and they were both members of the NYU cross-country team. And so over the years, I grew very close and friendly with the NYU cross-country team. I felt like I was sort of grandfathered into that informal fraternity uh, but though I never had to run or punish myself in any way. Wow. So you were a violet. You were a running violet. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's right. Go violets. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, James is a very seasoned runner, as, as I'm sure he'll explain. What's the longest have you ever done an official race, Jared? Uh, a 5K, a 10K? The only official race I've ever uh, taken part in was the Red Dress 5K uh, in New Orleans. Uh, we were down there for our buddy John's uh, bachelor party, um, and this is—I don't know if you've ever ever uh, had the pleasure of taking part in the red dress run, but it is definitely not a run. It is definitely a walking 5K. Uh-huh. Everyone is dressed out in a uh, red dress of their choosing. Oh, you arrive at around 10 a.m. You're, you're drinking beers, you're eating hot chili in the hot sun, and then <laughs> and then you do a, a nice 5K through the French Quarter, pit stopping at local bodegas along the way to buy more beer and drink. And uh, and in James's case, do a local uh, televised news interview. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I would see. I misheard you. I thought it was uh, the redress 5K that after the run, everyone gets to redress their grievances, which could be fun. <laughs> you know, chili and beer is fun. <laughs> James, so what's your? Have you done marathons? I did one. Yeah. I, so I ran like all the way through like high school and college. And then at the end of college, I was like, I'm going to do one marathon because that's all people care about. I they, know. Care, they only ask you if you run a marathon or sometimes they ask what's your mile time, which is more my thing. But I was like, let me just do one. And uh, I, I did it as a fundraiser. We kind of poke fun of it a, a bit in the movie. I did it for a cause that's important to me, uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So I ran it with team and training. But, um, you know, I unfortunately lost my uncle uh, to leukemia. And, and um so it was an important cause, but like the thing we make fun of is it. My friends donated, and it did pay for my trip to Paris. I ran the <laughs> Paris Marathon. Uh, I ducked under three hours, so I was happy about that. That was my goal. It's like if I could say sub three, I'm good, and I I don't have to do one yeah. again. So yeah. Where do you run in at NYU? Just around the island, or you go up to uh, that dusty park in the Bronx that my son runs his cross country <laughs> matches at? The same one that the high school dusty kids do? park. You're gonna. It's Van Cortlandt Park. It's a land. Is that what you're doing? Do you do it yeah. in Van Cortlandt? That is our team tattoo. The uh, there's a statue up there of the tortoise and the hare, and a bunch of the NYU guys have a tattoo on their thigh of the the tortoise and the hare statue. I did not get one. Uh, Unfortunately, I said, I was like, at one point, I think drunkenly, I said, I'll get it if we win nationals. And then we won nationals, but I don't think anybody else remembered until maybe this podcast. So, yeah, uh, maybe I'll get peer pressured into doing it now. NYU won nationals that year. You don't remember the. I try to keep track of all Division three distance events. <laughs> yeah. I had Kenyon College that year. I thought McAllister <laughs> might snip you in the end. No, no, no. We <laughs> took them all down. Yeah, 2007 yeah. Uh, Division three. I thought champs, I had yeah. some other schools in the UAA. I had Wash U and Brandeis perhaps as big rivals to beat you guys, but it was not to be. Huh? <laughs> you must have done a lot of research for this uh, because yeah, <laughs> knowing the conference is a big deal. I don't think my parents know the conference I was in. 
I thought, yeah, I thought we would talk about comedy and Beck Bennett and the movie, but no, let's just talk about D3 distance running. <laughs> yeah, let's please. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Nick Simmons, former Olympian from Division Three, And uh, sure. yeah, Will Lear actually almost hooked up uh, a sponsorship for us in this movie. But Nick yeah. Simmons fought the system. Love that guy. So give us uh, your comedy backgrounds. We got your running background, which is pretty significant uh, versus almost none. <laughs> what about comedy? What comedy traditions do you hail from? From each of you, James, you can start this one. Uh, so I'm from the Upright Citizens Brigade School of Comedy. I, I did a lot of improv and sketch over there, uh, whereas like on house teams over there, and that's really where I, I kind of honed my skills. Besides making uh, shorts with Jared in college, which uh, more or less we don't let see the light of day anymore, but we really started working on that together. So James, you're you're a UCB guy with a background in improv, and I know you uh, did work on the Impractical Jokers TV show. And uh, Jared, you have more of the film background, but obviously there is a tradition of comedies, great comedies that really just look at a subculture. And the the most ripe target is a subculture that everyone vaguely knows of or knows someone in, but hasn't really been explored. So best in show, that's a mockumentary. A lot of the Christopher Guest comedies are of that ilk. So much comedy to mine in a subculture. And I take it James was a little more connected to the running uh, subculture. But is that, was it more of uh, you recognize that there is an opportunity to do a movie about a subculture? Let's try to find one. Or was it that all these running jokes or ideas, if you will, running gags, were winding there, winding up in your scripts, and you said, "Okay, let's commit to this uh, full time about doing a marathon comedy." I think um, to give credit where it's due, we have to uh, call out one of our producers, Brian Hunt, who is the president of Believe Entertainment, one of the two production companies that we developed and produced the movie with. And Brian Hunt and I had just done a scripted short form series for, I, I believe, a no longer existing poker streaming service. Uh, the, sh the show is called Poker Nights. It starred Chris Parnell of SNL fame and, and elsewhere. Chris is wonderful. And Brian, after the success of producing Poker Nights at the very least, uh, asked me, he's like, hey, would you be interested in developing a movie? I said, sure. Um, and he said, I'm thinking about something in the world of running. It feels like there's a lot of untapped potential there. It feels like there's a huge fan base that would really you know, devour something like this. And I said, it just so happens my writing partner is a runner. He can add all of the technical expertise and inside info that we would need. Um, and then we basically had a development meeting and, and hit the ground running from there. Okay. And so the running jokes, <laughs> I don't want to make a pun. It's impossible. James, when There's you, so many puns. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Were you more attuned to the the various opportunities for humor in marathoning and in the running community, or it could be that if you're a real serious runner, the stuff you know is so far in, it won't even translate to the layman or the guy who's done one 5K. Yeah. So it's really good to work with Jared in general on this because I would say things and he'd be like, okay, listen, you got to take a step back. I don't know what that means. You're talking in runner and not English anymore. And then we'd have to like <laughs> water it down, in my opinion, water it down to where, uh, you know, it, it makes sense for everybody. Like, give me an example. Give me an example of where you were talking in runner or where the joke wouldn't play because unless you've, unless you've run for five years, you're not going to find it funny. There would sometimes just be like in terms of like what runners would say. Like we wanted to keep in some of the lingo. Yes. Um, right. With that, where it's like, all right, like we're just get, like, like I think, okay, you'd say like, like I'm, he I'm heading out for an easy 10. You wouldn't like necessarily be saying like I'm going like 10 miles or like 
Uh, we had a fartlek joke in there, which eventually got cut <laughs> due for time. I don't know if you know what a fartlek run is, but it's basically like a bunch of little surges yes. uh, in the run. So like some of these things would need like explainers on them for the vast majority of people. But like <sighs> there's a f- there's a, we got to keep a bunch in. There's like uh, you know random references to Hisham El Garouge <laughs> in the film, which I was like really proud of getting That's in there. Awesome. I guess I mean we have Jeff Galloway in the movie, which is insane. I don't know if a lot of people like i thought everybody would know him uh, <laughs> but they don't he was you know olympian at 10k in 1972 you know teammates with steve prefontaine it's like one of the preeminent running uh marathon coaches he has this run walk run method yeah but then to balance it out to have some uh, someone who runs who everyone would know you have reggie bush in the film next to him absolutely and and reggie was the man you know he actually was a really good track athlete in high school like the 100 and yeah. the 200 but we kind of just pretended like he never ran it was just a running back in the movie uh yeah but Re- reggie was fantastic in here he plays like yeah a commentator for our, our movie marathon uh but yeah the running world in general just like runners are we we call it out like runners are masochists they love to make fun of themselves like a lot of like running culture like they know they're weirdos like you know you look kind of silly in a lot of the gear and stuff but like you submit to it and you're just like look this is what works i'm going to grease my nipples i'm going to wear the skimpiest outfit not because i necessarily think i look great in it it's just like it will cut down on the chafing from other parts of my body and things of that nature so like yeah you 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 just kind of submit to it and go whole hog into like i might not look cool at all for the next three hours while i run but this is the best way to do it so i so you had the fartlek reference cut but i noticed the burpee reference is in and that just shows (laughs) that both funny names uh named after someone who invented an exercise it's just that burpees have gotten much more mainstream than fartlek unfortunately yeah that you know like the fartlek to catch on sadly for america's health yeah yeah so another thing about that is that if you uh, you know everyone knows that marathoning is hard and running is great for your health but if you're not really into it you might think or one might think that the runner's body is the ideal body or is the ripped, toned, muscular body. And there is a moment in the movie where uh, Beck Bennett's character is disabused of that notion. That must have been that must have been fun for you to get into. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I think people might have a bit of a warped perception of like the uh, uh, the idealized fitness body and how that relates to running, as you were saying. Um, but yeah. Uh, I mean, I think what James and I were trying to do with this film more than anything was appeal to both runners and non-runners alike. Um, like we have all the insider lingo and then we have all of the like, not necessarily bash running, but we, we poke fun at, at, at the running community throughout. And, and as was James was saying, it's, it's a, uh, it's a community that likes to poke fun at themselves. So they, uh, we didn't, we didn't have any compunction about, you know, describing professional runners bodies as, um, you know, Mathetics and booty shorts, for instance. Yeah, as uh, Kylie Bunbury says in the film, yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful <laughs> delivery. Mathetics and booty shorts. Yeah, and it's in contrast with Joel McHale, who's goddamn ripped. Yes, yeah. he is. He's, <laughs> I, you know, you're always, always a handsome guy, and I guess I saw him doing sit-ups once, but <laughs> man, that that's important for his character. But that was, I don't know, like when you cast someone like that, and you say, okay, you're gonna come. You can't ask him for 
not headshots. You can't ask him for pictures beforehand to see his torso, right? You had to just hope he showed up uh, <laughs> with an eight pack, I guess. I don't know. You tell me. You were you were involved in casting. <laughs> no, we demanded ab shots from all the actors. No, no, that's uh, no, Joel just shows up that way. He's incredible. But is he well known? I mean, that's really important for the character that he is unbelievably muscular. And it was a just well known Joel McHale. He seems to be in good shape, but he's in much better shape than you know. I think it's it's generally understood that Joel maintains an incredible physique just year round. Um, but I, I, that being said, like he definitely uh, seems to have put on some size for the film. Um, I mean, he's 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 in impeccable shape uh, in the movie, and it's it's also so fun seeing him beside Beck because Joel is such a big, imposing guy. I mean, he's six four. Uh, yeah. Sometimes that doesn't come across, you know, when he's being shot in you know a medium or whatever. Uh, but like seeing him at Beck, who's, you know, he and I are roughly the same size. We're ordinarily sized human beings. And then Joel is this like towering giant. So he just dwarfs anybody standing next to him. So it's a really fun visual dynamic yeah. uh, to have, and, have uh, on screen. I was just gonna say, and Joel is a really good runner. He ran 306 or 307 in the LA Marathon, which for a former football player, he, he played like in the Rose Bowl in college. As like, He's like a tight end at Washington. Yeah, his University of Washington yeah, like football player. Yeah, like he's just an incredible athlete in general. And like, yeah, like really runs. Like he, he told me one time when we were filming, he was like mentioning this, like, I think it was like a, a 40 mile run he did in the greater Los Angeles area with a buddy just for fun. They're like, just mapped it out. We're like, we can do this. He's, he's a wild man. Yeah. Love that guy. Tell me though about comedically and also in terms of movie arc, how do you manage Beck Bennett's body? Cause he starts off as a non-runner and then he becomes a runner. So you have to show that a little bit. How did you, did you tell Beck, you know, you might want to start filming a little fat. How did that work? <laughs> It was tricky because we had to film the, the the movie completely discontinuously. In other words, like day one of the shoot was Beck was the only actor on uh, on screen, the only talent that we had, and we shot uh, basically as much as we could all of the scenes at his house and around his house in his neighborhood where it's just him by himself. So he's going through the full arc uh, of Pat's character in a single day. So it's you know where I don't want to spoil the film for the the folks who haven't seen it yet, but uh, he, you know, he starts somewhere and he ends somewhere, and there's a little, uh, there's a couple of time jumps along the way. Um, I don't want to spoil things, but this movie actually has an arc; it has character <laughs> yeah. development. Just so you know, just yeah, so believe it or not, that's right. Um, and uh, and so you know, kudos to Beck for you know being uh, artistically prepared and intellectually prepared to get his character there. And that's also you know part of my job as a director is you know informing him where he is in any given moment because we're jumping all over the script. And so just constantly sort of tracking where he is emotionally and physically. But he did get in, in, in pretty excellent shape for the film on the whole. I think when people see him with the shirt off, and, and yes, you do see, see him with the shirt off, uh, I think he'll be pretty impressed. And so my last question is, as much as people want to see this movie because they like the stars, they we haven't even mentioned everyone who does a cameo, Kelsey Grammer, Allison Hannigan, more than a cameo there. Uh, they loved your interview with the gist. <laughs> Are you okay with the fact, I mean, did the Comedy Central executive say, listen, no matter how good or bad it is, the great majority of viewership will come from people just typing in office into their into their TV, <laughs> <laughs> and then the office race will come up, and they're like, what the fuck, I'll watch it? Uh, yes, this has been um, an, an ongoing uh, conversation, shall we say. 
I see James has turned off his camera. He's opting oh, out of this question. I heard, I heard um, studio and I left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, and I'll, this is going to be the most diplomatic answer I think that we can muster. Um, for, for the last six and a half, this film's been in development for a long time. Um, and it's, we've had many near misses in terms of making the film. It was originally going to be an indie in the fall of 2019. And then COVID scuttled us in 2020. And then uh, we've just been sort of uh, hanging on in the uh, Comedy Central development whirlpool, if you will, for the last couple of years. Um, the film is, has been titled for the last six and a half years, Run for the Money. That was, that's, that's the title. That was the scripted uh-huh. title. And that's, that was the production title. And then that's good. That's good. That works on a couple levels. <laughs> sure does. Nice, Mike. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, we know that uh, the office is a big hit on Comedy Central and syndication, and uh, they uh, acknowledge that that's where a lot of their audience is, is, what their audience is coming for and coming to see. And so they've they've attempted to reposition the film as a office workplace comedy. Uh, which it, it has plenty of that. It is definitely about a guy who races a marathon against his boss, but it is also a running movie with an ensemble running team. Um, and it is, you know, by design, very explicitly a, a running movie. And so that's the audience that we were really trying to capture with the film. But if you get that, you should more than make your peace with it. If it is enormously popular based on people <laughs> typing the office, what the hell? You'll still get credit. It's good. And the, the coolest thing is our DP <laughs> is uh, Tim Sersted, who also was the DP for Office Space, which it rhymes with. So I think, you know, that's good yes. for his. That's right. Yeah. His and is your, next project, is your next project about Valet Parkers in Atlanta called South Parking Lot? <laughs> <laughs> We'll see if we can get the you can rights do the whole to genre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the name of the film is Office Race. It is on Comedy Central. It was directed by Jared Lapidus, who wrote it with James Kilmoon, and they've both been with us today. Thanks for everything, guys. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks, Mike. And now the spiel. Wasting away again in Jimmy Buffett has died, as you know. Sad passing. With a cheeseburger. Be medium rare in paradise. Quick, name your third favorite Jimmy Buffett song. You can't, you're normal, you can. You're a parrot head. And speaking of heads, another death in the news. Francis Lee who was a costumer for Saturday Night Live, passed away. She was credited in a headline in the New York Times as having designed the headpieces for the Coneheads. I'm Primat. I maintain our home base and enjoy preparing mass quantities of consumables for my family unit. That would be a fascinating oral history. So you have this script. The characters are called the Coneheads. How did you get the inspiration for what their heads would look like? What shape? do you think they would take? I, I don't wish to, I'm, I hope I'm not mocking Frances Lee. I love the Coneheads and she won a lot of Tonys on Broadway. She did a lot of great work as did Jimmy Buffett, I suppose. But I have to say about Jimmy Buffett, he's in the category of things that I'm not into, but also that I don't get at all. So there are lots of things I'm not into that I understand why other people are into, like the morning show, all TV morning shows and non-This American Life quality 
murder podcasts, European football, or as we call it, soccer. If I lived in England, I'd be a huge Arsenal fan, or who knows, maybe Crystal Palace. But I'd love the sport, just that I don't live there. But Jimmy Buffett, the whole Margaritaville thing, if he did not exist, I would not be able to predict it. I would not be able to reverse engineer the algorithm of American life and say, yes, there is going to be a guy who appeals to white people who are probably Republican, yet like Calypso-inflected music, and they're all about letting their hair down, except they're out of hair, and they sometimes wear flip-flops, but they're way too square, and they don't even know it. I know there's a thing called yacht rock, but this is actual rock, or whatever genre of music that is, for people who own yachts or sailboats. It's pop music for the sailboat set. What I'm saying, Jimmy Buffett will be missed. Few categories of culture that I happen not to be into. One, that I understand and actively reject. Two, that I say is not for me, but I get the appeal. Three, not for me and am confused by the appeal. There's Jimmy Buffett. And four is just not my culture. Like just about everything in current hip-hop. My hip-hopery ends at about public enemy. My wife extends a few more years into the Wu-Tang Clan. If I were a huge hip-hop head and still who I am at 50 and loved and followed the music the whole time, I could see keeping up with the current artists, the Drakes, the 21 Savages. Then we get to Gunna. Yeah. I got wood grain in my dummy up. Uh. Cool quarter mill in my goyard up. Yeah. I went against so you still got a shuffle. A gentleman by the name of Sergio Giovanni Kitchens. Great name, this Gunna. Gunna is known for a few things, but he's known for popularizing the concept in the word drip. The Atlanta, this is from Genius, the Atlanta area rappers Gunna and Lil Baby have a long history with the word drip and are thought by many to be the main ambassadors of the word. It is even incorporated into all of Gunna's previous album titles, Drip Season, Drip Season 2, Drip or Drown, Drip Season 3. Essentially, genius goes on, the word can be thought to mean a person's clothing or visual appearance. It is similar to that of swag or sauce. In fact, it is exactly the same as swag or sauce. We just need hundreds of slang words for clothing, threads, swag, sauce, and drip. My son is going to see Gunna tomorrow night at the Barclays Center. Gunna's triumphant return from what? From jail. We'll get to that. And, you know, I'm fine with him. What am I going to be? The old man who says, I don't get this young kid's music. He doesn't even get the music. His best friend does. But for me, it's kind of a nice opportunity for me to say to him and be very fatherly and give this advice. Look, if you're going to go, you're going to come home by 11 and you're going to have to make sure that you're safe and aware of your surroundings. And he says, dad. And I said, nope, if you're going to listen to him, you're going to listen to me. You can't be a little baby about it. And the worse the jokes are, the greater the torture, which serves my purposes. Normally, my relationship to dad jokes, the entire concept of dad jokes is to defend them. They're just jokes. They're pun-inflected jokes. But these, I want to be terrible. It makes, If it takes a little bit of edge, the little bit of the danger of Frizan, if he knows that he's essentially a kid with a father on his shoulder trying to make stupid jokes as he's at the Gunna concert, I do think this serves my purposes. And then I add to him, now, let's have a talk about Gunna. You know the only reason I'm letting you see Gunna. And he said his triumphant return. I said, yes, exactly. His triumphant return, his first show in quite a while. And you know why it's his first show in quite a while? You, dear listener, I've 
can't guess and you'd be correct. It's because he recently got out of jail. But why was he in jail? It's not guns. It's not drugs. Not exactly. Not precisely. It's racketeering. He has been charged, had been charged with racketeering alongside young thug by the same Fulton County DA prosecuting Donald Trump, who is also being prosecuted using the same Georgia RICO statutes. It's an excellent lesson in physics. Gunna is very, very, very intent on letting everyone know that the reason he got out of jail has nothing to do with the intimation that he may have ratted anyone out. Here was his statement upon his release. While I have agreed to always be truthful, I want to make it perfectly clear that I have not, all caps, made any statements, have not been interviewed, have not cooperated, have not agreed to testify or be a witness for or against any party in the case, and have absolutely no intention of being involved in the trial process in any way. And yet he's out of jail and Young Thug's not. Young Thug has said, look, it's not Gunna. I don't blame Gunna. I don't think he snitched on me. Apparently, though, the rap community is more ensorcelled by the idea that uh, Gunna might spill the beans on Young Thug. So I told my son, in this family, Milo, we have values. And if a co-conspirator turns states, then you could go to the concert. If a co-conspirator takes an Alfred plea in exchange for community service, I will even play that guy's songs in the car. But If the concert you're going to is of the alleged centerpiece of an ongoing criminal conspiracy with tentacles that reach into criminal gangs, well then, mister, I'm going to have to put my foot down, he said, understood. And then he thanked me for the clarity and especially thanked me for not making any more horrible dad jokes, thereby ruining the experience for him. And I said, have fun. Don't be home too late. And what do I always say? And he said, don't drip too hard. And I said, that's right, son. Don't drip too hard. And that's it for today's show. Corey War is the producer of The Gist, and Joel Patterson's the senior producer. Michelle Pesca is CLO of Peachfish Productions, which ain't nothing to fuck with. The Gist is presented in collaboration with Lipson's AdvertiseCast. For advertising inquiries, go to AdvertiseCast.com slash The Gist. Oomperu, Jeeperu, Jeeperu. And thanks for listening. Say, how about a drink? What do you say? Hi, I want a drink. Most certainly, we would enjoy consuming mass quantities of any substance you have to offer. Yes, I dig liquids. <laughs> <laughs>